With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're starting a great new tradition here uh, for the middle of the week on the ride with Ricey uh, in summer. Uh, what people often refer to as the dog days of uh, radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we got a new tradition and on those days when the host can't think of anything to re- lead the show with. <laughs> what we have is the first, but certainly not the last, Manny Hill midweek surprise. Love okay, it. Okay, so this comes from and and Reavers. I actually have to give you some credit for this because oh, this time this midweek surprise started when you came into the uh, producers room earlier this afternoon. Well, I gave you a big heads up though, like two o'clock. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking, and then Reavers came in and. You brought up the Terry Collins video that just leaked. Yes. Uh, was it yesterday? I think it just yeah. leaked, and it's on YouTube and everything. And it's basically Terry Collins is, or the umpire is mic'd up, right? And Terry mm-hmm. Collins is, gets ejected, and there's some foul language in there, and it's <laughs> yes, hilarious. It's great. Apologies. So you know what? What we all like is you know when the, when he uses the MF to call to refer to the umpire but then he has to use an adjective he has to use an adverb before he gets to it you got to be descriptive it's pretty yes. yeah, it's pretty good anyway and so i watched that and you know i'm the type of person sometimes i see funny things and i go down a rabbit hole and sure, especially right? on youtube i yes. just start watching other funny stuff that makes me think of just like the rest what of i just us. watched yes, yes. Mm-hmm. and uh so i went down sort of this rabbit hole of guys mic'd up using foul language or vulgar things and saying things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I stumbled across a uh, old clip of Latrell Sprewell during his Timberwolves days. And uh, the Wolves were playing the Clippers in overtime. And uh, Reavers, I'll just have you play the clip. The lead stretches out to seven. Corey Maggette, hard to the basket, gets fouled by Sprewell. <laughs> Sprewell with a foul. Maggette to the free throw line. And what was it? What did he say? Oh, uh, well, hey, Reavers, you can probably play it again. The stretches out to seven. Corey Maggette, hard to the basket, gets fouled by Sprewell. <laughs> Sprewell with a foul. Maggette to the free throw line. And it was loud and clear as day. Yes. And I thought, you did, know. Was that Brad just, Nestler, by the way? I don't. I don't. Uh, no, it I wasn't Brad Nestler. It was the Clippers. Did they get him a tee? Did he get himself a tee? I there? don't think he got a tee for that, but I do believe he got fined later for mm-hmm. that. And he was shouting that to a, uh-huh. uh, a. unfortunately, he was shouting that to a woman who was heckling him from the stands. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what 
what he was fined, but I do believe he was fined for that afterwards. I, in another, in a previous job, um, I had a, a friend that worked there who had a young son. He was probably eight, nine, ten yeah. years old, and his favorite sport was basketball. Sure. So for his birthday, his dad <laughs> bought him courtside tickets to a okay. Wolves. Wow, I can't remember a Wolves. It was a, a Wolves three hundred bucks back. Well, then, but the, I think the Wolves were having a down year okay. when they. But it didn't matter. But yeah. he said, "I'm going to get this for my son." They left just after half because he said, I, I couldn't believe how much they swore in the court. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had KG. Yep. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who's got a toilet mouth? Oh, all yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. And, he can work at the Krabby and, Coffee and Shop. Spreewell, and Sprewell. Kevin is a serious cusser. Yes. I yes. mean, he's, he's serious about it. When he cussed, he was serious. And about you it. could hear he wants, it yes. loudly. Spree, same way. Sammy. It was just part of his personality, you know. It was it was like me, you know. It was like me. Yeah, I did. I swear, just because I'm expressing myself, I'm not mad at anybody, right? <laughs> Kevin was bad, Sprewell was mad, but Sammy was just that was part of that his. Was just, well, I think what so was. many people need to realize is that profanity is an art form. <laughs> yes, it yes. really is, and unfortunately, we can't use that on this show. No, but it's just so great. I, I just, I, I, you know, some people, they, they see like what, what Sprewell did, and this was yeah. 2004 when he did that, yeah. and, you know, Kevin Durant had his deal earlier this year where he used some yes. adjectives <laughs> on one of the officials and got himself tossed. So, you know, some people get offended by it, but I, I piggyback off of what Reaver says. It is, it is an art form. Yes. And for me, in, in the case of, like, a Kevin Durant, to have... The guts to say that to an official, <laughs> like because you know you're going to get tossed, you, you or at least you have to know you're going to get tossed. You're probably going to get fined yes. too for it, and to still do it and execute it is is actually really really impressive. Sprewell was uh, interesting cat, by the way. I, I kind of actually liked him because he was, you know, he had an edge. He didn't trust you. He didn't trust no. people. But he had, you know, what he had going for him. He didn't care. No, no didn't he didn't care. care. He did not care. And after the I after mean, the PJ Carlissimo thing, yeah. it was just you know, yeah. he was playing with house money the rest of the way. It's Wiggins' completely opposite personality, but the end result is the same. Didn't care. Didn't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> you can say like nasty things about him. Write him. He, he don't care. He doesn't care. Spreewell didn't care. Spreewell again. Didn't care. It's an art form. I'll yeah. tell you one thing. <laughs> I hope we get out of. Just to stuff it up, them 3,000... <laughs> <laughs> Again, Lee, Lee Elia yelling at the fans for 30, showing up. 30 years ago, right? Oh, it's got to oh, be. Early yeah, 80s, yeah. I think, yeah. God bless the reporter that was rolling on that I interview. Think, I think the Lasorda one, uh, when he goes after the reporter. Oh, he got, he got, it. got Here, the Lasorda on, one. I got that one. Because so Lasorda was a terrible human being, you know. <laughs> Everybody loved him, but he was a jackass. Now set it up again, because he was being I asked don't know about... Uh, they, had a, they had a feud with the, the Padres, and Kurt, is it Kurt Bavacqua? Kurt Bavacqua. Was Kurt mad Bavacqua. because... Kurt Bavacqua was yeah, uh, mad at the Dodgers on. for some reason. I have never, ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody nor will I ever, and if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a 130 hitter like LaFay or Bavacqua who could hit water if he fell out of a boat, and I guarantee you this, when I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a 
team that had guys on it like Babakwa. I sent a limousine to get the to make sure he was in the lineup because I kicked that man any day in a week. He's a big mouth, I'll tell you that. Listen to the listen to the reporters in the back. Send a bleeping bleeping limousine man. just to make sure he, he was he in the be, lineup. He could be nasty, but they loved him just for. Oh, what, oh like God, for giving you gold like that! Right. What's amazing about that too, from Tommy, is he went from zero to oh, sixty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like yeah. he was calm and he was <laughs> just talking, and then all of a sudden it just <laughs> he hit just, the throttle. He just floored it. We better run because we got Tim Kirkjian coming up. Tim Kirkjian from ESPN and ESPN.com is with us. He was in Atlanta last night, and ESPN spent a lot of the game honoring Henry Aaron. How was the hammer doing? Did he look pretty good? He looked great, Pat. I was so happy. And more important than looking great, he felt great. And he's 84 years old. And there was not one question that we asked him that he couldn't figure out was incredibly lucid he was incredibly detailed he came in with a smile he left with a smile and pat he told me about five things last night and i'm no hank aaron historian but i like to think i know him pretty well and i know his life and his career and he told me maybe five things i'd never heard before it was just a fascinating evening and maybe the highlight of my entire career as a as a tv guy and a writer was getting to sit next to that guy for an hour and a half and talk to him about baseball tim uh, of course we both know that there has never been a sports fan uh who loved a guy as much as bud Selig loved henry aaron and uh when the all-star game was here uh, a couple of a few years ago uh, I got to go to a uh, all-star gathering that Henry was there, and my wife was with me. And when she was a kid in Milwaukee, she used to chase him down for her brother to get autographs. And I went over, and she told him that story, and he couldn't have been nicer, man. He was great. Yeah, he was great last night. Could not have been kinder. And you know, we were talking to Brian Snitker, the Braves manager, who has basically became a manager and a coach and everything because of Hank Aaron. And in all the dealings that Brian had with Hank Aaron, it was never about Hank Aaron. Like, he, he would never think you were talking to a guy who hit 755 home runs or had the most RBIs of all time. I mean, he was just so much more interested in you and the game and other things that are going on and Brian said that occasionally guys would just sit him down and say, all right, Hank, tell us about this. How many all-star games did you make? And Hank said, 25. And like, that's where discussions finally went. Hey, uh, looking back uh, all these years, Tim, uh, and certainly it wasn't your, uh, you were, you might not even been around yet, but you look at that National League in the mid '50s, and when the uh, when the Braves went to two straight World Series in '57 and '58, man, those teams—the Dodgers, the Braves, the Cardinals—it was unbelievable how good the National League was. Right, and that was what Hank said last night. That was his great one of his great regrets. Is of course they won the World Series in '57, uh, winning Game Seven at Yankee Stadium, and. 
they lost in Game 7 in 58, and he said, we should have won the World Series three years in a row. But like everyone who has regret, he says, you know, you can never, like, just feel good about one thing. you got to go get it the next year. And yeah. that was his great regret. He only won one World Series in 57 when he had a team that could have won three in a row. But you're right. The competition back then was fierce. Well, you look at that Braves team, it was unbelievable. And, uh, of course, the Dodgers wouldn't give you any runs. That helped. But it was, uh, yeah, it was terrific. Well, that's good. Hey, Tim, we've been lamenting many things in baseball uh, to this point this year. The strikeouts, the fact the ball's not in play, the uh, length of games. What are you enjoying? What are we liking right now that's happening in baseball? What can we celebrate as we're uh, past the one-third mark here? Well, I think we can celebrate, Pat, just how unpredictable the game is, which, as we know, is its greatest strength and its, its, its most beautiful part, is that it fools us all the time. I mean, I just saw the Braves last night. You know, there are 101 uh, 100 to 1 odds to, to win the pennant this year at the start of the year, and now they're down 10 to 1. And those are the kind of things that excite me. I didn't think the Phillies would be any good, and the Phillies are pretty darn good. The Dodgers were terrible, and now the Dodgers are suddenly good again because some guy named Max Muncie. Yes, right. Them. I mean, th- this is always the common denominator of every baseball season is just how unpredictable it is, how many times it fools you, and just when you think you understand what you're watching, you realize that you don't. So that's always the pat answer for me. How did this happen? Where did this guy come from? How can Ozzie Albies be two inches taller than me and be leading the National League in extra base hits? Those are the unpredictable things that I look at every year and go, wow, this is why baseball is so great. I had never heard of Max Muncie. The question is, had the Dodgers ever heard of Max Muncie before he started hitting home runs? It's amazing. You know, he's been with the A's, and he's been a, you know, a little <laughs> bit of third, a little bit of first, not playing a whole lot. With the A's, his team is not even a contender. Yeah. And suddenly he ends up on the Dodgers. They lose their best player, Corey Seager, and then, since May the 1st, this guy's got double-figure homers, 25 walks, and it's absolutely saved their team. And now in a very winnable National League West, the Dodgers are right there again with no Kershaw, no Corey Seager. They got Max Muncy and Ross Stripling and all these other guys. Again, the beauty of the game. Hey, Tim, uh, Atlanta... Looking at uh, looking at that team, uh, they have some uh, scout in uh, Latin America and the Caribbean doing pretty good work. Yeah, they really do. Ozzy Albies, who we just mentioned, is a terrific young player and just absolutely fearless. He goes to the plate thinking, "I'm going to hit one out of the ballpark. I don't care whether I weigh 168 pounds <laughs> or not." Uh, this Ronald Acuna guy, yes. you know, he's hurt right now. He'll be back in a week, it looks like, and he is got a body you can't believe. The ball jumps off his bat. It, there's a different sound. It's all that. This team is really, they're at least a year ahead of schedule for me, but I think they have a chance in a very ordinary National League right now to stick around for a couple more months and, and really do some damage. And if somebody gets lazy or complacent, it's not out of the question that the Braves make the playoffs. And nobody saw that coming 
at the beginning of the year. Our old pal Kurt Suzuki, one of the nicest guys in ball and one of the real professionals, got to be having the time of his life. He was done three years ago. Well, he's such a good pro. I know when the A's traded him a few years ago in the middle of a pennant race, their manager, Bob Melvin, like said, what are we doing? You know, this guy is so important to what we do around here, running the staff. And as you know, my favorite Kurt Suzuki stat, Pat, is a few years ago, he went 114 consecutive plate appearances without swinging at the first pitch. <laughs> that. 114. Really? Maurer couldn't even accomplish that. He told me that I'd like to see the first pitch. I'd like to get an idea. I don't mind hitting behind in the count. And I think the interesting thing now is a lot of our hitters are making the adjustment that I better swing at the first pitch now. Because if I take strike one, and it might be a get-me-over curveball or a mid-side fastball for a strike, if I miss that, if I take that one, I might not get anything during the entire bat that I can hit. That's how good the pitching is today. And I've talked to a bunch of hitters lately who told me I'm swinging the first pitch more than ever, and I'm swinging a 3-0 more than ever, <laughs> because those are the only times where I might see something that I can handle the rest of the time when you're behind in the count, then you're really in trouble. Uh, Suzuki's best buddy here with the Twins, and it was a comedy show before every game when they were agitating one another, was Eddie Escobar, Eduardo Escobar. Another miracle baseball story. He didn't hit a double last night. We're shocked. He's got 26 of them. (laughs) Yeah, we have, uh, again, Pat, every year we've got strange, crazy things going on. I just looked up yesterday, Cole Calhoun of the Angels. Yes. Get this, has more outfield assists, seven, than he has extra base (laughs) That's a quirkion right there, man. That's a quirkion, and that is a weird pairing. But this guy was a good hitter. He's not a good hitter right now. And to go this deep into a season with only three extra base hits, but he's got seven outfield assists, Joey Gathright, 2008, was the last guy to get 100 games into a season with more outfield assists and extra base hits. I'm keeping an eye on that, believe me. Uh, Eddie Rosario's having a year that could get him to the All-Star game. Um, Brios is starting to pitch great again. But I'd love to see Eduardo Escobar make the team. little utility infielder you got for Liriano. The Twins thought, eh, maybe you can get him a couple hundred bats a year. And this guy... Uh, just exudes a love for the game that you that not everybody has. A lot of people do, but nobody's nobody loves it more than him. Right. And, Pat, I love the All-Star game still, and my favorite part about the All-Star game is the guys that get to go there for the first time. Like Dick Markakis, by the way, yeah. is going to make the All-Star team for the first time this year. He is the second most hits ever in the All-Star era without ever making an all-star team. Juan Pierre got the most hits really? without making an all-star team. Marquez is second, but you know when they when the Escobars and those guys make the all-star team for the first time, that's what I really like is when they walk into that room and look around and you know there's Mike Trout over there or on the other side there's Bryce Harper over there whoever it is and the look on the face of the first timers, that's what really does it for me at the All-Star Game. Uh, two straight years of injury uh, for Miguel Cabrera. It's uh, it's unfortunate. I love watching that guy hit when he was healthy, man. Yeah, he's amazing. I watched him a few years ago, Pat, where 
there was a situation where the Yankees had no reason to pitch to him. And it wasn't an intentional walk situation, but it was, we're not going to give this guy anything good to hit. And he intentionally, we watched him do this, get down 0-2 in the count. He swung at two pitches to make it a pitcher's count. So the pitcher would then said, hey, I can get him. Get this guy out. And then, of course, he rifles a double to right center field because he's better than everybody else at the plate. And this is such a terrible loss for the Tigers, who are a nice little story. But for the Tigers long term, now you're starting to wonder how much does this guy have left with the injuries and with all the money they owe him. Oh, my goodness. The. This is just going to be a terrible contract, unfortunately, because now the injuries are starting to mount. I was glad to see my old pal, happy-go-lucky Gardy, get upset after the game when somebody questions his pitching. He's getting in the groove now. Somebody questioned his pitching moves in Detroit because he could be a little thin-skinned about that stuff, and I think this might have been his first, uh, uh, I wouldn't call it explosion, but uh, display of unhappiness. Right. Well, as we know, Gardy's one of our favorite guys ever. He always will be. And he's so mild-mannered and he's so funny until you hit a nerve. And sometimes that happens. It's like Aaron Boone told me the other day, he swore at an umpire. And he said, well, this job has made me swear. And I went five years without doing it. Baseball will do funny things to you. And it happens to Ron Gardner every once in a while. I'm not sure who he was barking at with Detroit, but I can tell the person that he'll forgive you. He'll he'll be fine today when you see him today. He That's the one thing he had the ability to get over things. That was that. Right, and that's also the sign of a great manager. Earl Weaver screamed at me one day, Pat, like almost never before, and I knew him well. And the next day, he apologized and said, and don't ever make me mad like that. <laughs> what uh, what set him off, do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was about an argument with an umpire. And oh. he thinks I misinterpreted how it went and how he turned his hat and what he was doing, and he let me have it one day, and basically apologize the next day but i repeat he made it clear you make another mistake we yell at you again one of my five favorite Earl moments and you got many more than i do was the day he was intentionally walking larry heisel and it turned out it was disco danny ford he was walking <laughs> and palmer pointed this out to him sitting in the dugout and uh anyway he ended up ford ended up walking heisel hit a double the twins beat him and the next, I had to go see him after that to see what he had to say. And he started screaming at us because of a question we didn't even ask yet. <laughs> you know, a, he was, it was a, it was an, a frontal attack by the Earl. It, it couldn't be right. any better. Well, Ken Nigro tells a story about when he asked too many times, when is Al Bumbry coming off from the Sandalus? <laughs> and Earl screamed finally, look, as far as I'm concerned, Bumbry is dead. I only deal with the living. He's on the table list. He is dead to me. When he's alive, then I'll talk to him. All oh, the the Nigro Earl battles and Hanneman Nigro and Earl arguing strategy after the game was unbelievable. Those were the days, Pat. They don't exist anymore. Pat. All right, Tim. Uh, thank you. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, Pat, see ya. All right, the great Tim Kirchner. And uh, next week, Buster. John Height yes. is here <laughs> with a sports update. Hey, Taryn Vavra, the gopher shortstop, made it 
on three more mm-hmm. college baseball All-American teams today. Was that one that. of your notes? I have okay. that story, yes. Do you know which uh, three they were? I or? do. Oh, yes. okay, good. I don't. I'll tell you in just a moment. Okay. First, let me tell you about the sponsor of this update. It is Concordia University. Get on track to a successful business career with Concordia University St. Paul. Learn online or on campus. Learn more about their business degrees at online.csp.edu. Is Concordia the uh, Golden Knights also? Are they the Golden Knights? I can't remember. I don't know. There's the, should be in your the Comets or the high school, but I'm not sure what the college is. Not sure. Okay. Twins back in Detroit to play the Tigers tonight. Jose Barrios for the Twins. Matt Boyd for the Tigers. Twins lineup. Dozier, Rosario, Escobar, Sano, Grossman, Morrison, Adrianza, Lavar. And Wilson catching. One of the twins note, uh, Phil Miller from the Star Tribune tweeting that Herb Santana will throw his first bullpen session since ending his rehab assignment on Friday in Fort Myers. He'll throw about 30 pitches from a mound. After a couple of workouts, the twins will decide where and when to begin a new rehab assignment for Santana. Tonight's the night that Matthew Boyd throws a slide ball and snow hits home run. Oh, you're making a call before the game starts. I'm making a prediction. Concordia's mascot is the Golden Bears. I knew they were Golden something, but I I guess I was thinking of the Vegas hockey team. I thought they were the Cobbers. (laughs) No, that's the other one up in Moorhead. Right. About half the Lutheran colleges in the country are named Concordia. I I, I don't know why. But there's only one Cobbers. That's right. Go Cobbers. Here's that... uh, Here's what you were talking about, Patrick. More college baseball awards for a gopher. Three more organizations announcing their All-America selections for the 2018 season. D1Baseball.com, the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association, and Perfect Game. Holy cow. Each named gopher baseball's Taryn Vavra as an All-American shortstop. Also, Patrick Fredrickson and Max Meyer earned third-team All-America honors from D1Baseball.com after each getting the same honor from collegiate baseball earlier. Sid has officially lost the pizzazz, though. He didn't oh. give the Twins hell for not drafting Tanner and Beverly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bigger he question. Used to, back in the day, he used to give him hell. Was he aware? Don't know. Yeah, okay. That's no know. excuse. Okay. That's no excuse. He's only 98. He should be at the top of his game. <laughs> Lynx news today. Uh, the Lynx are 3-6 and six on the season, yes. of course. They've had most of this week off. They won't play until Saturday. New York's in at the Target Center. And uh, Coach Cheryl Reeve talked with reporters today. She said, we're going to roll with the ones who have done this. We'll ride or die, so to speak. Let the chips fall where they may. They uh, had Monday and Tuesday off. Practice today. They'll practice the next two days. She calls it a mini training camp. Uh, she also said all the players might not be putting the Lynx first. Oh, was that a subtle shot at someone who might have another high-profile uh, occupation? She did address that, actually. Uh, she They asked, as after she said that, obviously, uh, so she was asked about Lindsey Whalen. Uh, Reeve said of Whalen's coaching job at the University of Minnesota, she's immersed in it, but when she's here, she does turn it off. I don't think you can escape the idea of being number one in 1A, but that's something we agreed to, and it's not the root of our problem. So, so somebody else she was taking a cheap shot at, but she didn't tell us who. No, she okay. didn't. She said it's like 1A and a B and a C. That can't happen, she said. For this group, it's always been number one. What the hell? Uh, what? what, what? <laughs> Just name him. Yeah, keep it vague. Tell that me. way then we can suspect. That way we can we can conjecture on who she's uh, calling out. So. You're right. It is only Wednesday. You've got three more shows to do yeah, this week. That's right. <laughs> Rookie defensive tackle. If uh, Judd and Phil cared one iota about the links, they could get a half hour out of this. Easily, yes. <laughs> 
Viking rookie defensive tackle Jalen Holmes will be sidelined. For- they got that horse in the background whinnying because they can beat the hell out of that one. So. <laughs> for three weeks, uh, Holmes Tibbs. broke his hand. Poor Tibbs. <laughs> he suffered. <laughs> couple weeks back, he says he will be ready to go for training camp, though. The Vikings report for training camp in late July. All right, Johnny. We're, we're making much more progress at minicamp than the uh, Packers are. Of I, course. I, I can see a lot of momentum switching here. So. All right, thank you. You bet. I got an announcement to make. Oh, boy. Uh, watch Randy Rosario pitching a couple, was it yesterday afternoon? Two we saw him? days ago, I believe it was. Two afternoon. We saw him. I saw him the other day pitching against the Brew Crew, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to make an announcement. The Falvey administration, a determination has not been made, but they are on probation. Oh, my. <laughs> With me. They are on probation. You know how old this kid is? 20. Three. Just turned 23. A left-hander with good stuff who they brought up to the major leagues in 2017. He uh, only pitched uh, two games, right? So he had a 30.86 ERA in two games. That might be a little quick to make a, a decision to release him this past November. Uh... I did a piece on this kid when he was coming back from Tommy John in the spring of 2015. Really bright kid, left-hander, hadn't pitched many innings yet because of he was just Injuries you know well he started pitching when he was 17 mm-hmm. you know so they weren't stretching him out or anything. But what the hell are you doing? A left-hander with good stuff, good breaking ball, smart kid, big buddy of Miguel's by the way because they grew up together. Uh, as far as they've been friends. So he, Miguel, and Polanco. Friends, friends for a long time. Well, Randy's from someplace else, but they came into the okay. organization, basically, okay. very close. I met him. I went and I was down there early spring training, 2016. And by the way, this is in hindsight, because when they released him, we all questioned the move yeah, at the time. But 2016, so I go looking for rain. I'm looking for something to write in February before camp. is a week before, 10 days before camp. Mm-hmm. Randy's been down there with the re- rehabbers, right? But everybody's telling me, hey, this kid, look out for this guy. And uh, I think he pitched a little bit. Uh, surgery 14, 15, he pitched a little bit late in the year. But he and Randy, he and Miguel, and Miguel was down there uh, supposedly going to learn how to play right field, right? Oh, that's right. And But they were standing and sitting on the steps in the back, outside the clubhouse of the minor league complex, and there was this couple from uh, the Dominican who lived in Fort Myers who, when these kids were down there at 17 years old, became buddies with them, right? Mm-hmm. And had them over to the house for dinner and all that kind of stuff. But this Rosario kid was the sharpest young guy I'd talked to down there. And he was the kind of guy who would be a good influence on Miguel, not a bad influence on Miguel, okay? And why they decided to release him last November, a left-handed pitcher with pretty good stuff who could pitch out of the bullpen, I have no idea. And not to and mention... Chargois, they let go, too. 
And and he's also been decent for the Dodgers, hasn't he? Yeah, they just sent him. They sent him back to the minors, but he's been up and down. Okay. But he's got a live arm. But uh, now you see him. He's pitching with the Cubs. He was up with the Cubs, then he was out a little bit. I think he might have been hurt. And now the other day he comes in two two innings. Uh, I think he's given up one run or something since he's been back up with them. They like him out of the bullpen. What the hell? What was it about? Well, and the corresponding move was to go get a guy like Zach Duke. I I, I didn't get that at the well, time. I don't get no. it now. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, rely on him, put him in the pen. But why are you getting rid of him at age? He was 22 when they released him. Right. Why are you getting rid of him at age 22? He's a left-hander with good stuff. You need those. Yes. To keep, I mean, Zach Duke, I have no problem with the Zach Duke acquisition, but as I always, how about Dietrich Enns? <laughs> you kept Dietrich Enns instead of him. Uh, as I said, trouble on the 40, man? Give me a pencil. Is there? Is this a case I'll of... I'll get you eight spots in ten minutes. Is this a case know? of that, I'm talking about this case specifically. Is it a case of we want to be right about a move that we made? Because Rosario was not a move that this present administration no, I, made i don't think they have any of those i don't think they if they if they started throwing out everybody they inherited 16 17 18 year old dominican kids uh no i have no idea somebody one of their geniuses decided he was not a prospect i guess and again, yet you went out and signed Duke. Yeah, but you Duke, gave a chance. Duke is a hold on, hold completely on. different case because you couldn't give Rosario that kind of responsibility. But but he's been he hasn't been good this year. Duke has not. But you but, also you're also I'm talking about the the, the people that gave the, them the information. These are the same people that said let's give a shot to Anibal Sanchez. Yeah, but that wasn't a problem. I mean that. There was no commitment made to Hannibal Sanchez. That had nothing. I'm to talking do with about that. the talent evaluation, Pat. I'm not saying. Oh, okay. That's that's that's. I'm 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 agreeing with you, and you're I arguing with me. I think we're arguing about two different things. You're you're mad because they brought in a reliable old uh, left-handed reliever who's probably on his last legs. That's not the issue. There's five. There's five other roster spots that Randy Rosario could have occupied of guys that are pitching in Rochester, and it's it's just a puzzle to me. Why you would give up on a 22-year-old left-hander with good stuff who's going to be a reliever. And he's with the Cubs now. He's 23. Just turned 23. He's got the ERA under one right now in about eight appearances. Just turned 23 two weeks ago. What the hell? Who made that decision? I don't know what the decision is. But there's there's other spots on that roster that could have been used. I know uh, we got a list out there of five guys that could help him. I have a little trouble second-guessing the John Ryan Murphy uh, move of getting rid of him since everybody get what a stiff get rid of him you know mm-hmm. the idea that the twins uh, should have been start smart enough to see some kind of revival out of him i don't have a i have no problem with getting rid of him but you pulled the Even plug on romero after what uh, two, rosario two, or uh yeah rosario, rosario sorry. twice in the big leagues yeah and i i just don't know where that came from so we do, by the way, have a breaking twins bulletin in okay. the last ooh, about last hour and a half or so. Okay. Uh, the Touch 'Em All podcast featuring Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Mm. <clears throat> the headline is the twins should go hard after Manny Machado in free agency. Your thoughts? Well, uh, he's not coming here, and uh, that's my number one thought. Okay. And number two, it ain't happening. Two hundred mil? Okay, fine. For what? You. Uh, 
you know, you you go to get Manny to do what? To to win with this collection? <laughs> You're not going to win with this collection. So you know, I mean, Manny, God, I'd love to have him, but it, but it's a podcast. We're looking for ears. Absolutely, right? let's not fire bullets. Can have the Manny Hill midweek special. No, people need other hey, things. Why not do this? Give Manny Machado ten years, three hundred million. Yes. Roll through that contract for about two or three years, and then trade him off to the Yankees. We could do go, that. Go 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 the Marlins route. Okay. Why not? Yeah, we could do it. You You'll could make do some that. people angry. You could but, do that. I'd you know. take Manny, but uh, you know. The, to say the twins should go hard after him. They're not coming here. But they're already, not coming here. It's a, Minnesota. It's cold. We, it's the ballpark is not small. Manny's not coming here. Okay. We already have a power hitting shortstop that hit a grand that's, slam last that's night. That's right. I'm more worried about signing Esky than I am signing uh and, and Adrian. I'm more worried about signing Escobar than I'd be about bring it in, Manny. All right. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick? I just talked to the Chief Justice and informed him that I shall send to the Senate this afternoon the nomination of Mr. Thurgood Marshall, Solicitor General, to the position of Associate Justice Supreme Court made vacant by the resignation of Justice Tom C. Clark of Texas. On this day in history, Thurgood Marshall was appointed to the Supreme Court by Lyndon Baines Johnson, and he became the first African-American to be a Supreme Court member. It took until August 30th for him to be confirmed by the Senate. There were some uh, there was some uh, discussion, but he ended up uh, being confirmed by a 69 to 11 vote. And uh, Thurgood Marshall served uh, nobly and, uh, until his, uh, he died in uh, 1993. And uh, anyway, LBJ, the least likely uh, great civil rights guy. 